Defense News Land Warfare reporter Jen Judson sat down with Tom Carrico of CSIS last Friday to discuss the latest in missile defense news. Produced by Defense News and Military Times, this is the Early Bird Brief. Each morning, we bring you the defense and national security news of the day. The United States of America does not need one hypersonic defense interceptor. We're going to need a bunch of these because this is the characteristics of the future missile threat. What does it all mean for our defense and security? You'll find out. I'm your host, Simone Perez. Today is December 13th, 2023. Welcome to a very special holiday edition of our regular podcast on missile defense. I'm defense news reporter Jen Judson, and I'm with Tom Carrico of the Center for Strategic and International Studies. And we've had uh, some holiday gifts, particularly today, the announcement that the Army has delivered officially its first increment of the precision strike missile to the force. And that's, you know, obviously a huge milestone and a major success story for the Army's modernization priorities. They were driving to get 24 systems in 23. They're not hitting the mark on everything, but PRISM was a well-performing program for many years. This is this is a great moment for them. Great to be back, uh, Jen. Uh, PRISM is really going to be the new big franchise for the Army Field Artillery. They're going to want to get as many of those as they possibly can. Everybody who has a HIMARS is going to want to stuff some PRISMs into it. Yeah, and I think one of the things that was uh, not included in the press release that dropped this morning on that that hit my inbox is quantities in terms of what we're looking at for increment one, this early operational capability that they're calling it, and then where they are, I think, with their subsequent increments that will give the PRISM missile capabilities to go after ships, for instance, or to extend the range. Some of that stuff is still uh, TBD or um, being worked through competition. Obviously, still plenty of things to watch in the development realm for PRISM, but this was a huge step forward um, in replacing the ATACMS missiles. Well, the, the other uh, Christmas come early uh, item, of course, is that the uh, most of the Tuberville Holds are, are right. released, and so therefore, for this you know for this part of the world, you know the missile defense agency now has a confirmed director, now Lieutenant General Heath Collins, and then likewise, uh, Army Space and Missile Defense Command uh, yes. has a new uh, commander as well, uh, uh, Sean Ganey. So uh, some good moves there. Yes, very very excited to see uh, you know actual leaders in place that are not just acting. It really I think makes it a lot easier um, you know to do their jobs as well as my own as a reporter. Uh, you know hard to hard to get interviews with acting guys, but I look forward to having conversations with these guys uh, going forward. So. Uh, it'll be a good year, I'm sure, for both of them. Another good thing uh, that that came about is the NDAA, the National Defense Authorization Act, has come out of conference. You know, we both had a chance to look through the 3,000 plus pages of of the act. I think some of the the interesting things that that I spotted in there was, um, you know, Congress is going to put some pressure on the Missile Defense Agency to get initial operational capability by 2029 for the glide phase interceptor for hyper sonic missile defense. That's not less than 12 interceptors, they said. And then full operational capability by 2032. 
and no less than 24 interceptors by 2040. What are your thoughts about those timelines that they're that they're giving to MDA? It's it's kind of gone back and forth what the timelines might be for GPI and MDA has been a little bit wishy-washy on when they think that they would actually be coming out with an initial operational capability. How realistic is this, do you think? First of all, there's a lot of moving parts on the GPI and the hypersonic defense program uh, more generally. Uh, I think Congress is doing exactly the right thing, holding the department to the fire. Uh, you know, this provision in terms of saying, hey, we want something by 2029 in what the president, after all, is called the decisive decade, is is good. It is accompanied by an increase, I think, of $225 million more for the GPI program. That's right. yep. That is all for the good. That runs, I would say, contrary in a good way. Uh, it runs contrary to, to, I would say, some voices are saying, hey, the Japanese have ponied up $507 million over some indeterminate exactly. number of years. Yeah. You know, maybe we can just push this off and reduce the funding. That's going in exactly the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't. The United States of America does not need one hypersonic defense interceptor. We're going to need a bunch of these because yeah. this is the characteristics of the future missile threat. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I know that there's a camp out there or camps out there that you know think we could even probably move forward with, with interim, some kind of interim hypersonic uh, defensive capability. Uh, so you know maybe putting a little pressure on the on this program um, might be the way to go. There's a lot of other provisions. I mean, this is you know Santa's, oh, yes. Santa's bag is full so here. Many. Well, hey, Title 16's special gold star for me was uh, 1667. Okay. Uh, this is where in what appears to be a, a conference approved uh, provision uh, rescinding a particular directive type memorandum, basically a. Uh, directive of the Department of Defense that adversely affected the Missile Defense Agency's uh, acquisition authorities, especially with respect to to Milestone A. Now, in the missile defense world, this is like in the weeds of the weeds, but it's actually (laughs) really important because if you don't have good acquisition authorities, it's going to affect everything. And so it's it's very gratifying to see see that in here. Yes, absolutely. A couple other big things that stood out to me as well. We're looking at 147 million plus up for the defense of Guam system that um, I think we'll hopefully start seeing capabilities roll in uh, in 2024. Uh, But obviously, this is something that will be built out over many years. But Congress recognizes the seriousness of needing to defend Guam. In addition to that, they also want a strategy for Hawaii and the Indo-Pacific uh, command uh, that includes Guam. Yesterday um, was Pearl Harbor Day, after all. And <laughs> as much as we worry about cyber Pearl Harbors, there's also air and missile attack Pearl Harbors, uh, yes. Pearl Harbor Pearl Harbors. So that's <laughs> the, the defense of Hawaii, I think, is just a natural follow on to the defense of Guam. Yes, we got to worry yeah. about these power projection points. Yeah. And then shifting over to Europe, um, the NDA also would require um, a report on European air and missile defense enhancements. Uh, and that would be required within 250 days of the enactment of the NDAA. So we've got to move quick, come up with something. But I think that's so important. So many people have been ringing the alarm bells that there isn't sufficient air and missile defense uh, in Europe, that also we are not connected well with our NATO partners and allies. When it comes to air and missile defense, it needs to be more of a full-on integrated architecture. We haven't tested that in a very, very long time. It's one of those things that I think it'll be important to see what comes out with that. I, I liked I liked seeing that in there. And, and, you know, at this point, I would say this this comes straight out of us with support from an administration statement uh, in a hearing earlier mm-hmm. this year when I think it was uh, Representative Mike Turner 
uh, was querying uh, DASD John Hill about this. Like, hey, isn't it time to kind of update and adapt our EPAA, European Phase Adaptive Approach, that was over 10 years ago in a very right. different universe in terms of Russia? And the answer was yes. Uh, and so I, I, I hear that <laughs> from some months ago, and I see this provision now. I'm like, yes, that, that's yeah. tracking. Yeah, yeah. It's been a long time since the EPAA was, was even formed, and <laughs> things have changed quite a bit. Anything else that stood out to you in the NDAA? Uh, look, a couple of things. There's kind of a, it's become kind of a, an annual tradition now to rewrite the uh, National Missile Defense uh, Policy. Right. I, I, I like this year's. <laughs> it's, it's concise, it's short, it's to the point. Sure. Uh, and it is uh, in uh, support of layered missile defense uh, against uh, all kinds of different kinds of missiles for the homeland. Uh, so, you know, it still has that, that emphasis on. Uh, relying upon nuclear deterrence for more sophisticated and bigger ones. Yeah. But at any rate, there's that. And then there is a uh, another study they're asking for on space-based mm-hmm. uh, missile defense. And, you yeah. know, I think the reason you're seeing that is because the threats are getting pr- pretty wicked. You were at Reagan, uh, the Reagan National Security Forum, last weekend. I was not. What did you learn there? What, what would you like to highlight on that? Yeah, so the Reagan uh, National Defense Forum is a great event. This was their 10th. Uh, the 10th one, I think they missed one year for COVID uh, right, from yeah. 2013 <laughs> to 2023. Uh, I think I've been to all of them or most of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the folks that put it on the Reagan Institute, Roger Zakheim, Rachel Hoff, the whole team, uh, just always do a, a bang-up job. And, you know, it's just become a must-attend event for the Secretary yes, of Defense, the right. Service Secretaries, everybody. <laughs> a couple things that stood out. I thought uh, Alex Karp of Palantir really mm-hmm. kind of stole the show with talking about Israel and kind of some uh, weirdness that's kind of pervaded our, our politics in, in sure. recent months post-October. Yeah. Bill LaPlante called out counter-UAS mm-hmm. as needing to be the new 155, which is to say we need to do lots and lots of yes. capacity. We need tons of counter-UAS capability. And I have to plug our, our recent counter-UAS mm-hmm. report that my colleague Sean Shake did right. last uh, month on that. Yeah. And uh, Doug Bush, as I think you've uh, talked about, <laughs> Doug Bush out, out at Reagan talked about LRHW. That's right. Yeah. Long-awaited LRHW that you That's know, the long-range hypersonic weapon. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, was supposed to have uh, uh, arrived in uh, by September 30 of this year. You know, they had some testing challenges, which yeah. he clarified were about the launcher. Uh, and so we're, we're going to see a test coming up again in the, probably the spring with delivery, uh, presumably by mid-year. Uh, and, you know, Aquilino is out there. And, of course, he pounds the table and talks about Guam to uh, to anybody uh, who will listen as well. Well, the, the interesting thing, too, is that, you know, if there are the issues with the launcher, hopefully that you know, doesn't totally set back the, the Navy. It sounds like it's, you know, more of an Army issue at this point if it's, if it's regarding a, the ground-launched system. Uh, so I know that the um, Dark Eagle unit is eagerly awaiting those interceptors, but uh, we'll not get them by the end of the year like we thought. Anything else at Reagan that you, that you want to point out? Or we can move on and we can start talking about what to expect in 2024. Uh, you know, I think it, this is a nice uh, segue because one other thing that Undersecretary LaPlante talked about is he got a question about kind of his his approach, his acquisition philosophy about kind of early down selects. And I thought his answer was very interesting. His discussion mm-hmm. was, look, you always want to maintain competition sure. uh, as much as you can. Department has talked about that repeatedly. And so whenever you have sophisticated missile defense programs or what have you, uh, you know, competition is important. At the same time, he said, look, but that's always running up against money. Yeah. And so it's that, it's that perennial uh, attention. So I think I say that in part because at yesterday's hearing, the House Armed Services hearing, uh, Representative Doug Lamborn, the chairman, right. uh, alluded to some reports 
circulating about the department's intention to make uh, some early down selects on some unspecified big missile defense program. Mm. So I think that's going to be an important thing to watch. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and it wouldn't be the first time we've seen a, a much early down select. Prism is a is a good example of that. In 2024, um, you know, obviously we'll be watching for that LRHW test. You know, there's a, a few smaller milestones that I'm tracking for uh, the Army when it comes to missile defense. They're still trying to get there new lower, lower tier air missile defense system up and running. Uh, they're, I think, fielding uh, soon, partially operating radar, or they're using just the front array. The LTAMS has has three arrays, two in the back, one in the front, two in the back are smaller, uh, but those are not all working together yet. I think the hope is within a year from now or a year from now or so with change that they'll have that the radar fully up and running with all of the radars working, all of the portions of the radar working together, and um, we'll be able to give that to the unit. So that's, I mean, that's a big step for something like, say, Guam architecture, where LTAMs will be placed. Well, exactly. On, so, and I think, I think you know, Guam is the is going to pull everything along behind it, yes. and uh, you know, Aquilino is not going <laughs> to accept anything else, and so yeah. you're going to see just an enormous amount of pressure, not just on you know the desirability of, of getting LTAMs out there as ASAP, but mm-hmm. uh, but the IFPIC representative Whitman and representative Norcross recently sent a letter over to the Army about hey. How's IFPIC? How's the Enduring Shield Launcher? Where's that second missile? Yeah. Uh, how's that coming? So you see a lot of attention there. Yeah. And then likewise on uh, IBCS. The, all those pieces, the Army's yeah. lead service. That's the uh, the other Christmas present I'm still waiting for is will be the Army's uh, strategy That's right. uh, yeah. for implementing the Defense of Guam. And we will see, I think, some initial capability become integrated in, in 2024. Uh, just things that are, I think, generally already there, like Aegis uh, weapon system and... Um, some of the other, uh, maybe a couple of radars, things like that, to start to work out the architecture. And then um, I think the intention for MDA, at least, was to uh, help enable a live fire test that culminates at the end of 2024. So yeah, uh, we'll see initial capability. Yeah, <laughs> and I think, I think you know, going back to the, the previous question is Guam is the big thing. And it's, it's solving the perfect uh, air and missile defense problem. And so, you know, the things that are worked out there, the as you wrote in an article this week about about that very topic, that's going to have applicability to Hawaii and to, to It'll be NATO a model and everything. So many places. Yeah. yeah. It's it's so critical. It seems like it's just why are we spending all this attention on on one island? <laughs> but it's a very it's a very key island, but also this is something that, you know, we can take and, and grow uh, elsewhere. Um, I think another big one is the next generation interceptor that will replace ground-based interceptors in the ground-based mid-course defense system that defends the homeland from ballistic missile threats. Uh, Next generation interceptor. One company competing has gone through the preliminary design review. Another one is, is hopefully due in the early part of 2024. And that means roughly a year following those reviews will be the critical design review. So that's another big step getting towards the NGI, uh, replacing these older ground-based interceptors. So we're we'll watching for that too. Tr- tremendously important program. You know, the Homeland Ballistic Missile Defense Mission is existential. It's 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 almost synonymous with the Missile Defense Agency. And that that threat isn't going away. It's getting more uh, worrisome. Witness the recent North Korean test that I will say South right. Korean officials have <laughs> publicly come out and said that the Russians are helping maybe a little too much yeah. <laughs> uh, with some sophisticated North Korean jazz. So that's 
not disconnected from the long-range BMD mission set that NGI is for. So hopefully a year from now, we will have uh, seen some great progress uh, when it comes to uh, wide-ranging missile defense uh, efforts. Guam's going to be a big one to watch. Is there anything else that, you know, by the end of 2024, you're hoping that MDA or the Army's missile defense or the Navy has accomplished uh, that you think are really critical? Oh, look, uh, the next generation short-range interceptor, the Stinger follow-on, that's going to be an important program Mm -hmm. to watch next year. Likewise, the lower-tier future interceptor LTFI. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be very curious to see what what that shows up with and really the the FIDEP projections for LTFI in the forthcoming budget. And uh, I would also be remiss if I didn't mention that uh, Representative Lamborn in the hearing yesterday uh, talked about some troubling reports about FAD mm. uh, being transferred from MDA to uh, to the Army, mm-hmm. which is to say the procurement of the FAD right. program. Yeah. You know, it's it's a part it's of a single MDAP, Major Defense Acquisition Program. It's part of the BMDS. And uh, I think it's fair to say that there could be some adverse effects mm-hmm. uh, if that were to yeah. transfer. If, you know, it could be bad for THAD. It could be bad for the Army. I think it deserves a lot of attention. Yeah. We'll see if it dies on the vine or stays on the table. It's been a cycle with that one uh, for a long time. Uh, But happy holidays, everyone, from me and Tom. And thank you so much for joining us. And we will be back in January. See you there. Happy New Year. I'm sure there'll be more missile problems to talk about. (laughs) I'm sure there will. That's it for us this morning. To get more top stories and breaking news, go to defensenews.com EBB to subscribe to the Early Bird Brief newsletter. Please give us a like, rating, and a comment wherever you get your podcasts, and be sure to follow us on social media at defense underscore news and at military times. The Early Bird Brief is hosted and produced by me, Zimone Z. Perez. Today's episode featured Jen Judson and Tom Carrico. Our editor-in-chief is Mike Bruce. Have a great day.